This afternoon we will pay attention to what we confess in Lord's Day 42, where we find the explanation of the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. And in connection with that, our scripture reading is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 23. We'll read the verses 15 to the end of the chapter, and then we'll read a section in chapter 24. So let's first read then from Deuteronomy chapter 23, beginning at verse 15. This is the word of the Lord. You shall not give back to his master the slave who has escaped from his master to you. He may dwell with you in your midst in the place which he chooses within one of your gates where it seems best to him. You shall not oppress him. There shall be no ritual harlot of the daughters of Israel or a perverted one of the sons of Israel. You shall not bring the wages of a harlot or the price of a dog to the house of the Lord, your God, for any vowed offering, for both of these are an abomination to the Lord, your God. You shall not charge interest to your brother, interest on money or food or anything that is lent out at interest. To a foreigner you may charge interest, but to your brother you shall not charge interest, that the Lord your God may bless you in all to which you set your hand in the land which you are entering to possess. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be sin to you. That which has gone from your lips you shall keep and perform. For you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. When you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes at your pleasure, but you shall not put any in your container. When you come into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. And then we go to verse 7 of chapter 24 and read through this verse 15. If a man is found kidnapping any of his brethren of the children of Israel and mistreats him or sells him, then that kidnapper shall die, and you shall put away the evil from among you. Take heed in an outbreak of leprosy that you carefully observe and do according to all that the priests, the Levites, shall teach you. Just as I commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way when you came out of Egypt. When you lend your brother anything, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge. You shall stand outside, and the man to whom you lend shall bring the pledge out to you. And if the man is poor, you shall not keep his pledge overnight. You shall in any case return the pledge to him again <clears throat> when the sun goes down, that he may sleep in his own garment and bless you, and it shall be righteousness to you before the Lord your God. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether one of your brethren or one of the aliens who is in your land within your gates." Each day you shall give him his wages and not let the sun go down on it 
for he is poor and has set his heart on it, lest he cry out against you to the Lord and it be sin to you. So far. Let's now turn our attention to Lord's Day 42 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 42, what does God forbid in the Eighth Commandment? God forbids not only outright theft and robbery, but also such wicked schemes and devices as false weights and measures, deceptive merchandising, counterfeit money, and usury. We must not defraud our neighbor in any way, whether by force or by show of right. In addition, God forbids all greed and all abuse or squandering of his gifts. What does God require of you in this commandment? I must promote my neighbor's good wherever I can and may, deal with him as I would like others to deal with me, and work faithfully so that I may be able to give to those in need so far. And following the sermon, we will sing Psalm 62, the stanzas 3 and 6. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever met individuals who act like the world owes them. Millennials have a notorious reputation of being entitled, but it is far from being restricted to them. Especially in a culture of individualism and wealth, we all suffer from the deadly disease of entitlement. We think we deserve more than we do, and when we don't get it, our entitlement siren starts blaring. Entitlement is the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. It's the feeling that we have the right to do or have what we want. And such entitlement is rampant in the society in which we live, but it is also creeping into the church as the consumer culture infects the minds and the hearts of everyday followers of Christ. Not only when it comes to material matters, but also in our attitude toward worship and other matters regarding the service of the Lord. We no longer receive grace and the blessings of the covenant as a gift, but think we deserve them. Now, entitlement is not just an age or a cultural problem, but just like we saw this morning with apathy, entitlement is also a sin issue. 
And it often goes undetected right under our noses. We need to recognize it in ourselves and in our life as people of God. There's nothing good to be said about entitled behavior. Because what it does is destroy and kill life in the body of believers and damages our witness to the world. If entitlement is left unchecked, it will do great harm to our own person, to our families, to our life as people of God, and most critically, to the honor and the glory that belongs to the Lord alone. You see, at bottom, entitlement is a violation of the Eighth Commandment. You shall not steal. For the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who commanded us, you shall not steal, teaches us to live differently as his adopted children. We have been brought into the family. We have no natural rights. We're not entitled to have anything because we deserve nothing. Attitudes of entitlement are problematic not only because they produce selfishness but because they breed stealing, taking what does not belong to us. Well, as children of God, we may not live as if somehow we are owed. In his letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul set before us what is to be our attitude as those who are in Christ. You all know the passage well. Philippians 2, verse 6 through 8. Paul writes, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That was the earthly life of Christ. He who is God, equal with the Father and the Spirit in glory, stooped below his godly dignity to take us out of the misery into which we plunged ourselves. He shed his blood for us to free us from the wrath of God. And pondering the nature of his work, his suffering, his obedience, his humility, his willingness to take on the nature of a servant, that should make us blush with embarrassment every time we think we are owed and entitled. To him who bought us as his own, we will sing at the end of the service. Our needs and wants are surely known. We do not deserve anything, but the Lord provides for all our needs. As children of God, we are to be busy using our gifts and everything the Lord has given to us for the good of our neighbor. And so in the Eighth Commandment, 
we are directed to our responsibility to act out of genuine concern and love for our neighbor. As children of God, our first concern should always be, how am I seeking the kingdom of God in my relationship to God and in my relationship to fellow citizens, my brothers and sisters in the household of God? Well, with all of this buzzing in the back of our minds, let's take a closer look at the implications of what the Lord requires in the Eighth Commandment. You shall not steal. For in this commandment, we are shown how we, as children of the kingdom, are called to handle God's gifts with care. And this must be seen first in how we receive what we are given, and secondly, how we give from what we receive. So the children of the kingdom are called to handle God's gifts with care, and we'll look at how we receive what we are given and then how we give from what we receive. In order to get a firm grip on what the Lord requires in the Eighth Commandment, we first have to have a clear understanding of the truth that underlies the law of God. And that principle is God's ownership of all things. The Lord tells us very explicitly in Psalm 50, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the air, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and all that is in it is mine. Beloved, everything belongs to God. And that's why we can never be rich unless our relationship is in God through His Son, Jesus Christ. A person who slaves from morning until evening for the sole purpose of accumulating wealth or proving to others how successful he can be and how much he can talk about that success is a fool. What's worse, such a person has lost his riches in God. The Lord is the one who gives all that we have. God provides total care. We receive all material blessings out of his hand. The Bible is filled with examples showing us that everything comes out of his hand. And this is why everything we do must be done in the service of the king. And that begins with our daily work. Whether we get paid for it or are involved in what is known as labor of love, we must faithfully seek the well-being of others. And God is also pleased to use our labor as the means by which he allots to us certain possessions. He takes of his own and gives them to us. He puts them in our care. Even by way of a paycheck or the money given to us in return for services rendered. 
It is the Lord who provides for us every day. He entrusts to us certain possessions in this life. And what he gives is meant to provide us with what we need to fulfill our earthly calling. And what is our earthly calling? Well, with our earthly possessions, we are called to seek first his kingdom. He requires an account of our use of his things. All our money, all our possessions must be used with a view to the furtherance of his kingdom in this world. And that's why they must be used wisely and for the honor of our God. And that is something Moses impresses on the hearts of God's people before they enter into the promised land. In the application of the Eighth Commandment, as we read that in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and 24. The people are called to handle with care the possessions the Lord has granted to them, first with respect to the mercy and the kindness that was to be shown to a slave who had escaped his master. Slaves were not to be oppressed or worked to death for one's own personal gain. And furthermore, Israel was not to insult the Lord God by presenting him with money earned through prostitution. And when Israel enters into Canaan, they will be tempted to worship God in a heathen fashion, to seek security in their family, wealth, fields, cattle, all one's possessions through all sorts of rituals. Pagans sought to help their gods. But the Lord says, don't do that. I will provide for all your needs. And what held true for the church in the Old Testament applies today too. There is nothing that we need to worry about when we confess that the Lord provides our health, our food, our drink, our clothing, everything will be looked after. That's our starting point in this commandment. The Lord will provide. And all our possessions are gifts of God to us. And that's what makes stealing such a bad thing. Sure, it's depriving a victim of property or possessions secretly and without their consent. It implies deception and dishonesty. But deep down, what it is doing is denying that you are rich in God. It says to the Lord, that we really are not satisfied with what he gives to us and we feel entitled to a better life than what he gives. Now there are several ways in which the evil of stealing manifests itself in our lives. We all know that outright theft and robbery are wrong. You may not walk out of a store without paying or forgetting to pay for certain items while going through 
self-checkout. You know that's wrong. And you know it's wrong to cheat in business, to shortchange your employees by underpaying them or stealing from your boss's time. But what about the more subtle ways? We steal by failing to rejoice with someone else. We steal from their joy by, be by bemoaning the fact that we don't have what they do. Perhaps we steal from our church community by failing to give generously with our money, our time, and our resources. Consider this. Maybe we are stealing from others by failing to spend time in God's Word on our own. And as a result, we have less wisdom and insight to impart and give them. Because we have made the decision to fill our lives with our own pleasures and desires. We're not overflowing with the love of Christ. Perhaps we steal from another by going on and on about our own situations and problems. Maybe we are stealing from another, another person's reputation by our incessant gossiping and by passing on confidential information. You see, the sin against the Eighth Commandment goes much deeper than we think and we all know how to hide our intentions to steal by the long list of excuses we have explaining why we do what we do. Well, as those who are in Christ, who know the love of Christ, we need to live by a different set of principles. We start with thanksgiving. Acknowledging that all we have has been given to us out of pure grace and the generosity of our Lord. Jesus Christ became poor, humbling himself to death so that he might make us rich spiritually, but also materially and physically. On the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ paid for the food that you eat and the clothing you wear. And when we are truly thankful to God for His work of salvation, and we are transformed in our thinking by His Spirit, then we will confess, as we did at the beginning of this service, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be lacking in anything. He feeds me. He preserves my life. He prepares the table. He goes be with me through death's dark valley. His rod and staff comfort me. According to the law of God, it is not only possible to steal lifeless things or animals. The Bible also forbids stealing people. Deuteronomy 24 verse 7 speaks to that. You can steal by kidnapping a person physically, but also spiritually. Parents kidnap and steal their children from the Lord. 
when they do not instruct them and educate them in a Christian manner and teach them to seek God's kingdom first. The little eyes that watch your every move, your struggling teenager, your spouse who sleeps inches from you every night must see in you the desire to seek God's kingdom first. Moms and dads, you need to be good stewards of your children. You may not steal them for your time. You must be a good steward of your spouse, your husband or wife. is God's gift to you. Don't steal him or her for yourself. And the Bible also speaks about how some would violate the Eighth Commandment by stealing that again, by stealing the heart of another. And that refers to using someone in such a way that they serve your purposes in doing, and in doing so, turn their hearts away from God. I'm sure most of you remember the story of Absalom. He tried to overthrow the kingdom of his father. He did not seek God's kingdom first, but he sought his own glory. And you know how he did it? He flattered the people, promised them all kinds of nice things, passed himself off as a wonderful man who gave a listening ear to everyone who came to him and asked for advice. And he gained many followers, even though he was a very evil man. We read in 2 Samuel 15, verse 6, that he stole the hearts of the people. And let's be clear, anyone who leads others astray by being smooth talkers sins against the Eighth Commandment. The one who instills in others a hatred for the church by constant negativity or makes life into the church into a power struggle, steals from the glory and the honor of Christ because the church belongs to Him. It's His. In the Eighth Commandment, the Lord calls us to receive what has been given to us out of the hand of our Heavenly Father. And that is why everything that could lead to stealing must be removed from our lives, including greed. Think of how much money has been spent on clothing and gadgets because we have made wants into needs. We think we need them. Not because we're convinced that they will help us serve God better, but because everyone else has them. And you know how often it happens that you see something that somebody else has and it's so easy to go on to Amazon and find it for yourself. And furthermore, the Lord forbids all squandering and wasting of what has been given to us. Waste has become such a part of us in this prosperous age. So many things are thrown away. We waste money on things of limited or no real value. 
And wasting of God's gifts not only applies to money and material things, but also the use of our time and spiritual gifts. The Lord created us to show forth His praise and to use our gifts and talents for the benefit of others. And when we fail to do that, we are squandering and wasting what the Lord has given to us. And secondly, a people rich in God give from what they receive. Jesus said to his disciples, sell what your possessions and give offerings for the poor. Now, does that mean that we have to get rid of all things that may be luxuries? Is that what the gospel requires? Can the words rich and Christian really describe the same person? Yes, they can. Since the earth and its produce belong to God, stewardship of wealth is required of every Christian. God makes each one responsible personally to him for the use of the gifts he allows us. It is the love of riches and of money that is condemned. And so the gospel of salvation is not only for the poor. There is good news of grace for the well to do too. If the rich submit themselves to God's commandments, they can have an important part in the life of the church. You see, the problem is not with the rich, but with the human heart of rich and poor alike. Brothers and sisters, the bottom line is not money, recognition, appreciation, or you name it. But living under the blessing of the Lord in the covenant of grace, where money rules our lives, it will steal our time and attention. And we will get ourselves caught in a huge web of anxiety. Well, as people who know the grace of God in Christ, all our thoughts must be on seeking God's kingdom first with all that we have been given. And we will fight the temptation to steal of the time, the talents, and the financial resources to use it for our own purposes. And if you seek God's kingdom first, you will also be generous in giving for those things which seek the advancement of the Lord's church and kingdom. We give according to the measure of our blessings. We know that life is not determined by the abundance of our possessions. For confessing to receive all things out of God's hand, we will be a people that aren't stingy, but are willing to share and give. And isn't it marvelous how the Lord has blessed his people in the past and still does today so that his work can go on? Just look at how the Lord has blessed you as congregation. Oh, sometimes I'm sure many of you may become anxious and may worry about personal finances, but in the end, has the Lord left any of us begging? The Lord promises to provide 
and he has, and he will. And furthermore, it is God's will that the poor, the needy, widows, widowers are looked after so that they have sufficient means to fulfill their task. And that's the way it was in Israel. The people of God were to provide their brothers and sisters with interest-free loans and the needy with care. And for this reason, it wasn't considered stealing if a hungry person would pick some grapes out of your vineyard or would pluck some ears of grain. The people of the covenant were not to deny each other the enjoyment of the produce of the land which the Lord had granted to them as a gift. Well, brothers and sisters, this is the way we are to go about our task. I must work faithfully so that I may be able to give to those in need. We don't just go to work for our family or for making payments on our house. We're working for the needy. That probably sounds absurd. How often do we really think of this? One last point, and then we'll be done. Recognizing that all things come to us, we are rich in God, and then we should not be too proud to accept the help of others. When God puts it into, our, into the hearts of others to give and to help, let us be willing to accept that as coming out of His hand. The generosity of others opens opportunities to go and do likewise. The Lord has shown in the past how he blesses the generosity of his people. Brothers and sisters, we are a people rich in God, spiritually and materially. We are a redeemed people who have everything we need in Christ for fulfilling the task that he gives to us in seeking his kingdom. We don't deserve anything of what we receive. We're not entitled to anything. Living by grace, we learn to be gracious. And rather than stealing, we, we seek God's kingdom first and we let the grace of God take hold of us in deeds of love and generosity. Amen.